Hey guys, Mackenzie here. It's no secret that this election season is getting pretty heated. I mean, welcome to 2020. But today we have a very special guest, Liz Santora Marcolini. She's the creator of The Gathering Guide, a New York Times bestselling author, a Beauty Counter senior director, traveler, Catholic, and wife. We're so happy she's here. Whether you're on the left or the right or somewhere in between, we hope you will join us as we discuss ways to navigate this turbulent election season with grace and conviction. And if you like today's episode, please hit five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend. We're so happy you're here. Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts. Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited. Here we go. We are so excited to introduce you guys today to Liz Santorum Marcolini. She does all the things. She is the creator <laughs> of the blog called The Gathering Guide. She's also a New York Times bestselling author and a senior director at Beauty Counter. She is a traveler, a Catholic, and a wife to Matt Marcolini. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. I was I was just saying before we got on, I'm here with a cup of tea. It feels like talking with friends, so this is Aww, this is a joy. I know. We'll have we, to pretend. I love it. <laughs> well, we definitely miss the times where we all could hang out, and um, but we just like thought on our hearts who would be better to just talk about all the things that are going on right now on social media and just in the public space right now with the election coming up and um, tensions are high right now for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, for and sure. so we were just praying about it and talking together. And Kenz and I just thought, you know, you come from a family where, you know, your father held public office for many years um, and he ran for the presidency against Barack Obama in 2012 Uh, finishing second to Mitt Romney. And so you and your family have been in the public political arena for almost your entire life. Um, Yeah, since I was born, for sure. I know, I was doing the math, I'm like, wait, has it been forever? Like, pretty much your whole life. Exactly, yeah. So we just wanted to bring you on and see, like, what has that been like for you, navigating that space? And do you yourself um, have a passion for politics and activism? Short answer is yes, for sure. I think that growing up in that world and in the proper way, you really see political service as just that, as as service. Um, My parents were really wonderful educators and formators in general, but when it came to politics, um, my, my dad always made it really clear that we were in this as a family and that we all had to, you know, kind of come together and be on board uh, because obviously as, as anyone who, whose family has been in politics or who has personally been in politics, you know that it's a very demanding kind of all-consuming life. And at times that, that didn't mean it was always easy, but I think it made it worth it because of the perspective they had. Um, just knowing that we were out there working not just for you know the good of the country we loved uh, so much, but uh, for the glory of God, it was, um, it was really meaningful time. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Liz, one thing that like totally stuck out for me ever since I started following you on Instagram, because that's the world we live in, you know, you make, (laughs) you make friends on Instagram Uh, and just hearing how you are through Bridget and our, our mutual friend, Rebecca, um, was that how you handle um, just like people in politics and um, anyone, any, I don't want to call them 
what's a nice word to say? Anyone who attacks you for what you believe. I just love the grace you carry. And I remember you talking about a friend maybe that came to you very angrily about something you posted and you came back with such grace and um, wisdom and just at peace with your answer. And she ended up kind of apologizing. Can you speak to that a little bit? It was so awesome to hear about it. Well, you guys, I I wish I could say that every conversation (laughs) ended that way, (laughs) but the good news is that there are some that do. And um, I I mean, from the time I was little, unfortunately, again, you talk about kind of the ugly side of politics is is the criticisms and, um, and and frankly, like the the really visceral and ugly attacks that Mm -hmm. come your way, especially if you stand for, for issues related to the culture. I mean, it is, Mm -hmm. it is vicious, I think, um, you know, and yeah, but that's a that's a that's a podcast for another day. But I think in a certain way you get used to some of that. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, right, our our skin can only be so thick, and and sometimes, of course, it's it's upsetting to to receive those messages, and um, especially when they come from people you know. But what I I think I've learned through the years is is this, especially in watching the recent political climate. Um, is that when people come to the table, you know, or an Instagram conversation, or they pick up the phone, um, and it's someone they disagree with is on the other side, Mm -hmm. I think so much of what's wrong in our political dialogue, is that immediately people are assuming the person on the other end of that phone or that, you know, Instagram message or whatever it is, hates them. Yeah, that's really it. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That they're, they Mm -hmm. think that they're, they don't love each other, right, that there's no common ground. um, And there's a dehumanization um, in that process. Mm -hmm. And so when you know, I get messages saying, you know, I hope you die, or, you know, all all sorts of other really nice things. uh, You know, (laughs) this message wasn't one of those. But yeah, it's, you know, you realize that there's just a lot of um, hate, maybe for you, but, but sadly is that they think that you don't love them right that yeah. there's just not that mutual respect there right. I totally and, agree and I you guys have probably seen it I feel like if you live on planet earth especially in America right now um you know that so many of these conversations can be quickly really hostile mm-hmm. and and personal and I I found I think through the years that just a really just a kind of fundamental approach to all of this is to first stop, say a prayer Mm -hmm. and remember that God loves them. Right. And that you love them as, you know, a brother or sister in Christ that um, they're afforded that dignity. Now that doesn't mean that you let them walk all over you or that you roll over and you don't stand for the truth, but that does mean that you can treat them with charity. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so I think in, in responding to some of these messages, right, if, if you're able to kind of pivot and, and share concerns. So this message I think you're referring to is, you know, the person was just a very kind of harsh startup and just, you know, really critical and, mm-hmm. you know, didn't even begin the message with like, hi, how are you, <laughs> right. you know? Um, and so I just sort of pivoted and I was like, you know, hi, you know, so-and-so, how are you doing? Um, how has this been in your life? Like, I, I genuinely, I really hope you're well. Um, I'm, I'm so open to the conversation and, um, you know, and I hope we can do so with civility and respect. 
right? So you in, in an instant, right, are able to turn the table, show concern wow. for them, right, about their life, and then set the boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. If, if this person wants to swing at you, you're going to put them right in the middle of a boxing ring. And you're going to say, I'm drawing the lines, and you can't swing outside these rules. Mm-hmm. And that's if you're not going to talk to me with respect, you're not going to talk to me, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I operate. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Oh, I think all of us have found ourselves in these, like everything that you just described, I feel like has happened to me like 30 or 40 times in the past, like, I don't even know, like month or something. And you're right. They don't all end that way. But one thing that you said that is a hundred percent true is the person on the other end, oftentimes if they message you with an attacking tone, there's usually something going on under the surface of that question. A lot of times I really believe that it's not even about the topic that they want so badly to prove you wrong or to argue with you about. A lot of the times it goes back into something that they personally are dealing with or something that has hurt them that makes them so incredibly passionate about whatever the topic is that they want so badly for you to see their side. Um, and you're right. Some of the conversations end okay, and some of them are are not. And I think at a certain yeah. point, if you realize that no matter how kind you're being to the other person, they're just not on board with that sort of a pivot, then I think you kind of have to walk away. And sadly, I've gotten in in some conversations where I've said, you know, it seems like the stuff that I post like just bothers you, and so I hate to say it, but. Um, at this point, like all I can think of is, you know, you're welcome and free to unfollow me, you know, and I don't, yeah. I don't want anyone to do that. But if me posting about, you know, a Catholic woman to the Supreme Court justice potentially um, inspiring me, if that mm. bothers you enough that you're going to message me and be so angry, then like, I mean, we all, we all have a right to share what inspires us and what we're proud to see and who we're voting for. And I've just heard so many crazy stories of people being truly afraid to share who they're voting for. And I, that makes me so sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, a question in life that I, I think is just so important generally, but especially with, with reference to what you just said, it's so, so, that was such a great point, um, is not like what's their deal or what's wrong with them. It's shifting the language to what happened to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, such a different perspective and entering those conversations. Because like you said, I, um, I often find a lot of the, like I mentioned before, the kind of most vitriolic and tense conversations are surrounding issues to do with culture, which is, is my passion in politics, is, um, is a culture of life, a culture of family, um, in, in the government it would steward and protect the flourishing of those things in society. Mm-hmm. And I often find that kind of the conversations surrounding those topics can be really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, because often I think to people, they're, they're personal and you might not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think, a good thing to remember, especially if, um, if you're like my mind and you're listening to this and, and those are things that are important to you, then, and then just always remember on the other side of that phone, again, is always, is always a person with, with dignity that needs to be loved and that you, you always have to ask what happened. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's such a good point about something happened. I was speaking with a girl a couple of weeks ago on Instagram. She came out with an attack. Two friends actually did. And they both kind of backed off when I, you know, was gentle back because 
you know, I, I didn't understand. And they both by the third message told me they, they had multiple abortions. And mm-hmm. so, um, of course I, I think what the pers- like perception is, is back to what you're saying, Liz is I hate you because of what you did or because of what happened to you. And right. that's not it at all. I, for me personally, and for all three of us, actually, we are trying to, one of the biggest things we're trying to fix is or overturn Roe v. Wade. And so when I hear that, it's, it's actually like an opportunity to show them another side of, of this, this life, this gentleness of, no, we pray for you. We want to be there for you. We still love you. You are still loved. We just would like this to not be an option anymore. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of like just being open. And I, I love what you said, Liz. That's so, that's so good. Well, gosh, I, I think that's such a good example of exactly what, what I was sharing that you just, you never know the backstory. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes in that instance you do and right. What a, what an opportunity to, to love them and come alongside them. And, but I think that, yeah, the point you just raised is so, so just deeply resonant of another, I think, problem we're seeing in political dialogue, which is that I believe this. And if, if I do, I must hate you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Is the distinction between ideas and, and relationship. Right. So that if, if you are, if you are a Republican, right. And you believe in your pro-life, right. Then you must hate women who have had abortion. Exactly. That's we, we know that's not true. That's a lie. Right. Um, and in, I think that there's those tensions in our society of needing to be able to separate um, the personal relationship from the ideological conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that what you said is a great way of doing that. And I think it's also this like dance between like um, – my personality used to be the type that's like, I want to post everything. I, I feel so passionate about, you know, all of these things that I, I just want people to know that. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that um, social media, while it is an incredible tool, like you really have to be ready to engage in all of those complex conversations. <laughs> yes. So now as I get older, I realize like, okay, do I want to post this because am I ready to sit down with my phone and have a well thought out response to anybody who messages me? Um, One thing I will say is I've seen a lot of positivity as well as, of course, there's people who are going to disagree, but more, more so than not this election cycle, I've had like 20, 30 people message me and say, thank you so much for posting that. I'm too afraid to post that, but I'm right. so glad mm. you did. <laughs> and I'm yes. like, well, why don't you post it? Like, why are we so right. afraid to share um, what's on our heart? That really breaks that breaks me that there are so many people out there that are afraid to share, you know, whether, whether it's conservative viewpoints or other viewpoints. Um, I just wish that we were um, a generation that was much more, um, I guess, accepting and open-minded of each other's opinions and stances. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and with my friends who are on, you know, the left, um, I see them post things and old Bridget would have immediately fired back. I would have been ready to DM them right away. And, and as I get older, I'm kind of like, I think this is a conversation for in person. And it's not that I'm afraid to engage with this person, but it's more like I'd rather do this face to face with them uh, because I love them too much 
to jeopardize the friendship. So I think it's like this weird dance of like, when you really feel called to share something and post something, go ahead and post it. Like that could be a prompting of the Holy Spirit and he wants you to post that. But then there's other times where it's like, you know, I'm just going to pray on this. I'm not going to like, I don't need to put it all out there all the time. Yeah. And what I could point to that we need to be willing to sit and to take the time to answer those, those difficult DMs, the hard questions, and that we shouldn't shy away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I get messages like that, I'm actually talking, I literally, before I got on the phone, I was in conversation with someone about, um, about abortion and um, lots of questions, probably like, kid you not, probably a dozen questions. And, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, we all have these thoughts, right? These moments. And, but then it's like, okay, kind of gut check that and be like, all right, this, you know, so many of us with, with COVID in the way of our world right now, um, social media is a platform and vehicle for evangelization. Mm-hmm. And we can't shy away from that. When someone comes to, to you know, the door of our iPhone and is asking questions, yeah. um, you know, what I think it's St. Paul that says, right, be accountable for the faith that's in you. And so we need to be witnesses to that. And and like you said, not have the, not be fearful um, because we shouldn't be ashamed. I, I, I talk all the time with friends. Um, we had a conversation with a couple a few weeks ago um, who is looking into the Catholic church mm. and in the, in the conversation, they ha- asked some really thoughtful questions and, and they said, you know, I hope you don't mind if we're pushing back. And I said, no, I love these conversations because, you know, you guys were, we're called to love, right? Love is, you know, the, the, the first commandment, right? Our Lord gave us and, and, but what is love really? Like, how do we understand that? If, if love is really willing the good in the other, that is a radically different understanding than our culture. Mm-hmm. And so these conversations like about the soul are the most important things we can ever talk yeah, about. That is so true. what a blessing to be in friendship and talk about the things that are most real, most important. So in, in, in that way, it's like, gosh, what a, what a gift, right? To, to talk about these hard, but difficult, but exciting things. And yeah, right. Like what if you're the only person that these people meet? on social media that have a different view than them. And I think about that oftentimes because of the way I'm attacked and and we're all attacked and it's not even an attack. It's just, they just maybe just don't know what we, we know, just like, I don't know things they know. And so I think I, I was watching that new show on Netflix, um, the social dilemma. Right. And it, your whole, what they showed me is that your whole um, view on social media is what you believe because they keep feeding you the stuff you want to read and you want to hear. So it's very important to diversify um, your feed, which, you know, yes and no, but, but I will say sometimes it feels like we can be the only one that believes what we believe. And so I think it's important, as you said, St. Paul said, and just be firm in that. And if we're the only one that brings them to the light, the truth, then so be this it. This makes so much sense. This it. this makes sense why my entire feed is Kaylee McEnany memes. <laughs> 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 that I always constantly want to repost because I am obsessed right. with her. <laughs> Talk about someone who's grace <laughs> under fire, but Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, no, you're so right. I think that we we get in our own bubbles. And then we kind of sit there and um, to Liz's point, 
even though it takes time out of our day, I think answering DMs and in in a respectful way, having dialogue on these issues is so critical, even if it is going to take mm-hmm. time. And sometimes it's like, I'll see the message and I'm like, I know I can't give time to that right now because kids are running around me and I'm stressed. But once I'm in bed or once I have a chance, I'm really going to sit down and engage with this person. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it is, it is good work. And I think that, um, I think God calls us to this work, whether it's on a DM or in person, um, or even just being unafraid to um, speak out on certain issues in conversations. Um, But Liz, when we were preparing for this episode, we found an article um, from ABC News that spoke about a time when your dad was on the political campaign and he had to step away from a rally because your sister Bella um, got sick in the hospital Um, and you stepped in and actually ended up, I think if I read it correctly, you gave the speech for him. So we wanted to talk to you about that experience and, you know, what (laughs) is it like when like God calls you to do um, these kind of like big moment things and how did that feel for you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just sitting here laughing because that feels like I, there are some memories that you, I'm sure you guys have in life where someone reminds you of it and it's like, you could be right there again. Right. You know, that's totally one of those memories for me because of, I think the intensity um, at the time, um, I think this was when we had Secret Service and, you know, the national press was, I mean, covering us, you know, very intensely. I mean, it's a level of scrutiny. It's like, you know, you have a button off on your shirt and the world knows, right? It's like, it it just felt like being under a microscope. And um, up till that point, like I, I'd been on a lot of major news networks and I did a lot of radio and surrogate speaking, but this crowd was particularly large. And, um, and again, the, all the, you know, national media was there. It was, it was, um, it was a big deal. And, um, because of my, my sister, um, she was really sick. She had gone to the hospital the night before. And that day, it was not just a wash of, wow, this is a really obviously significant moment. But I, I w- myself, I think, was, was obviously really emotional, mm-hmm. right? And so um, it was, I think, reconciling something that was going on in my personal life, which, you know, had we had another choice, I wouldn't have given that speech. Um, but it's sort of like the Esther moments of our mm-hmm. lives where, you know, I was always taught that, you know, when you're asked, you stand in the gap. And that was just the wow. way I was raised. And so I told my dad, yeah, I got this. Like you, you know, you go be with mom and like, no big deal. Right. That and inside, I'm so like, oh my gosh, cool. like, are you, you know, that is, well, are you the oldest Liz? I am. Yeah. Um, I am. How old were you at the time <laughs> when you did this? I was 20. Oh my gosh. Oh, I was 20. My, gosh. my brain wow. is not fully developed at that point in my life. Wow. Oh my God. Well, mine wasn't either. Let me assure you. So, <laughs> like, did you have a teleprompter so, or were you just like, I'm going for this? Oh no. Yeah. We never use teleprompters. My dad never used Wow. And so he, you know, by, by training it, I mean, I, I definitely didn't use one. I, um, I remember I wrote down some notes, I think on a, like a Kleenex, like it was very, wow. I mean, it was very scrappy. Um, so scrappy. And I just remember going up there and, you know, I, I think before anything and, and, you know, 
this might obviously, if you're listening to this and you're like, I am never going to have to do this, right? Like, don't worry, like, maybe not. But the reality is in your life and, and as you're listening to this, if you just pause and think for a moment about something in your life that you felt called to do, or you've literally been asked to do, where you felt really afraid, Mm -hmm. but you said yes anyway. We all have something like that in our Mm -hmm. life. Maybe you have something like that right now you know, where you're listening to this and you're saying, gosh, I feel this calling to this, or I'm, I'm being asked to stand in the gap. And, and that's frightening to me. Um, I, you know, ladies, I think we actually need to get a little more comfortable as women with standing in the gap and being courageous. Yeah. Um, as Catholic women, I think we have the whole package and the world needs what we have. Um, they, they need our gifts. Absolutely. And, um, and so that, that was just, it was a, it was really in retrospect, it was a blessing because, um, you know, in that, in that time I was able to, um, I think share a little about my, my sister and, and talk about, you know, the state of the election and then, um, pretty firmly demand respectful boundaries of our family's privacy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think in a, in a setting like that, you have to pretty quickly learn how to, how to do that because otherwise we'll push you right over. But, wow. um, you, yeah, wow. I, I, you guys are all, you, you both, you're beautiful examples of, of standing in the gap in so many ways, just knowing a little of, of your stories. Well, oh, that's sweet. I just think that's such a cool example it's, of like exactly what you said, like answering the call and it could come in any way, shape or form for anybody listening. Um, but there may come a time where like you need to stand up and um, and speak truth to a crowd or, or even just a few people. And I think if we all could just kind of gain a little bit of that courage, um, I think like how different would the world be if, um, people with this conviction just like kind of embraced, um, moments like that. Yes, that's so true. How easy it is to right? Like I'm listening to this and I'm like, gosh, I, I don't feel that I was that, that person because I, it, it's easy to feel afraid. And, and I think it's also so easy because in our, in our heart of hearts, let's face it, we all want to be liked, right? We, mm-hmm. we all want to sort of pass through this world instead of confronting mm-hmm. it. And, um, and the reality is right by virtue of our baptism is that that's not our calling, mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not what we were sent here to do. Like we weren't here to conform and to get along and, um, you know, we're here to really stand up and, and stand in the gap. And, um, and I, I know that God gives grace for those moments when he asks things like that of you. I really believe that. And we're not called to do it alone. I mean, I look at, um, my current, like, you know, female icon, ACB, I know we were talking about her a little bit before the call, mm-hmm. but I mean, you guys, isn't she, I mean, she's amazing. Amazing. These amazing. goals. Amy, <laughs> Tony, Barrett. Yes. True goals. Uh, I mean, how powerful, right? Watching a woman like her, I mean, beautiful woman living her, you know, her vocation fully like wife, mom, you know, I, I have a heart for, you know, her adoption yeah. and her special, I have a special needs sister. Like, I'm like, this woman is the past. She's doing it all. Her. Truly. <laughs> and the, yeah, I think the fact that she's under scrutiny, like she is under scrutiny and she is this working mom. She's got seven kids. And like you said, one of them is special needs. One of them is adopted. Um, it's and and to hear some of the stuff and see some of the stuff on social media being said about her, I'm like, well, dang! If she can be burned at the stake, anyone can be burned at the stake these days. Yes, 
that's so. so true and she's so good and I think all of this kind of connects in a way like we all three and Amy ha- come from these big <laughs> families I know I talk like she's our old friend you guys but she, she will be, well be but <laughs> well, she she will be. yeah <laughs> but just say like going back to what Liz was talking about about like you didn't say this but like doing the uncomfortable yeah. like coming from these big families Bridget I can name stories from your childhood that you've told me where you've had to stand in the gap as the, as basically the oldest sister mm-hmm. and then Liz you know I I can't wait to talk more about how you guys grew up and then me coming from my family it's just like working together for the greater good of the kingdom is so worth it in the end and she, and Amy is such a perfect example of that and both of you are and I hope you know we can keep keep on that path that's why it's so exciting that she she's where she is and I I was I wanted to talk though quickly about you know we're talking about having kids with special needs and your sister Bella um had has played a huge role in your life right Liz like and she no has yeah. tris- how do we say this trisom trisomy do I say it right? Tris- or trisomy? Yeah. So trisomy 18. Mm-hmm. So your sister has trisomy 18 and she's totally probably shaped your view on protecting the vulnerable and um, defending life. And how was that growing up with her? Oh my goodness. Well, pure joy really are the first words that oh. come to mind. And, um, Bella, so trisomy 21 is Down syndrome. To give you guys an idea, trisomy 18, she has an extra 18th mm-hmm. chromosome. And so just a lot of, little extra love there. Mm-hmm. Um, when Bella was born, to really kind of put her life in a, in a nutshell, she was born, the doctor said, you know, there's really no chance. Just, you know, don't send her home with oxygen. Just say goodbye wow. and let her go. And oh my gosh. I mean, you guys, there are stories. Uh, truly, we filled a book. <laughs> we filled a book with all the stories about Bella um, and just the, the gift that is her life. Um, but long story short, through my parents and, and really our families, I think just fighting to give her a chance. I mean, again, nothing extraordinary here, just giving her oxygen when she was a preemie. And, you know, she has a little feeding tube, like so many people with special mm-hmm. needs. And um, Bella's quality of life is unbelievable. I always tell Matt, my husband, that when I retire, I want to live. Oh, <laughs> she, she goes to the pool every day. She, she smiles. Like her she is smiles. so, so happy. happy. Oh my goodness, she is. She laughs more than anyone I know. She she knows Aww. you. She she is just pure joy um, and such a gift. And so yeah, without question, I think her her life came at a really formative time in mine. Yeah. And. Um, it just makes you rethink your entire perspective, I think, on life when you when you have a sibling like that. I feel like I know her yeah. from social media because the photos that I see <laughs> of you guys, I'm like, you guys are just the sweetest little like sister duo. And um, she is my Aww. buddy. She is <laughs> my buddy. Well, my brother, I have a special needs brother as well, um, Patrick, and he, I didn't yeah, know that. so he's like um, severely autistic. He doesn't speak. Um, he's nonverbal and, but when he smiles, wow. it like reminds me of seeing like a picture with you Beautiful. and Bella because it's just like, they don't oh. like, I don't know if she can, is she nonverbal as well? She's okay. nonverbal. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, as, as a yeah. sibling with, um, you know, a, a sibling with special needs, like there's almost like a language there that like only your family almost knows that she speaks yeah. and, wow. It's not a verbal language, but it's like a, it's body language. It's smiling. And, 
and you almost have this like telepathic, you know what she's thinking. And um, I definitely think um, growing up with that in the home gives you a heart for people that, that you maybe never, like, I don't know if I ever would have um, felt a certain way about the special needs community or really anybody, any, um, anyone who's like lower on the totem pole, really. Like it's given me a heart for the mm. underdog in all circumstances um, because of seeing, you know, the challenges. So um, I'm sure it's been that way for you guys as well. It's beautiful. My gosh, thank you for sharing that. It sounds so special. I, I completely empathize and understand the the highs and the lows. But you're right, just the pure gift and and totally different mindset that comes when when you're when you're truly blessed to be raised with a sibling like that. I think that there's so many aspects of of that life that take you out of Absolutely. yourself. That um, you you learn really quickly, right? That that life isn't about you, right? Which is uh, sounds really basic, but as a young person, that I feel like that takes all of us a long time oh, to learn yeah. that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, with with Bella in in our life, it was she was very much the heart of our home, and mm-hmm. um, it's I wow. mean, just so many other gifts. I I mean, even during the campaign, I know you mentioned that she did get sick, at, you know, one point during that time, and there. Bella, we had, we had never really talked much on the national stage about her, her disabilities. And, um, you know, we're, I think, protective of her in, in a lot of ways. And, um, but there was a lot of beauty that came from us beginning to tell more mm. of her story. And something that began to happen, and I share this story because it's, I feel like we all could use a little more politically uplifting stories mm-hmm. these days. So yeah. um, <laughs> we, as I think Bridget, you were the one that mentioned, you know, that my dad ran for president and he won 11 states and um, we had just won three states in a row. And, you know, it sort of the race blew up and it really became down to Romney and my dad. And um, this was this kind of big night and big moment. We had a rally the next day. And so Mm -hmm. I'm in the car with my dad going into, I think it was a rally at a community college auditorium. So we're pulling into this rally and there is a line that's probably like a mile long. And so (laughs) knowing, you know, the chaos of campaigns, my dad and I look at each other and we're like, oh my gosh, someone forgot to get here to unlock the door. We're like, I can't believe this. Like, you know, this would happen. So, so we get there and that wasn't what had happened. It was that it was so full. It was like bursting. Right. So we walk inside totally in shock. And then we get to the front of the auditorium. And we see something we'd never seen before. There was along the wall and like in the front, there were like probably dozens of families bringing their special needs children to these events. Um, You know, this was after we had started talking about her, after she'd been sick, after the the news was talking about Trisomy 18 and all these beautiful children and adults, you know, with their families. Um, And, you know, I was just, I was, I was truly speechless. And my dad and I, you know, are both welling with tears and um, we're on the stage and, you know, we're, we're looking out at this room and we both saw the sign and I will never forget this moment for as long as I live. We both look, there's a little girl with Down syndrome on her dad's shoulders, waving a sign that she definitely made herself. And it said, um, it said, I'm for Bella's dad. Oh my gosh. I'm just crying (laughs) over here. Don't mind me. 
Oh no, I, I, you guys, it's been years, and I, I still cry when I think That's about that so little girl sweet. and her sign, and um, so there's, there's a lot of goodness and a lot of beauty to be found in, in politics, and um, especially when you get the special needs community involved, it's a very special group. What? Wow, you guys both have me crying with your stories of <laughs> openness to life and the beauty. I think I recently heard like this quote and I won't I don't even want to say it because I don't want to butcher it but it was something along the lines of it's like a actual huge gift from God to bless a family with someone Mm -hmm. who's differently abled because of the lessons it teaches along the way and it's so true it's so I think I'm a naturally very selfish person and I'm actually so my goodness aren't we all (laughs) I'm just blessed (laughs) to have Patrick in in my life and I think it's true. It's like, it brings you out of yourself. And I feel the same way about kids or Mm -hmm. being raised in a big family. A lot of Mm -hmm. people are like, wow, you must've gotten no attention being in such a big family. Well, I mean, actually the blessings of, (laughs) of a big family, exactly. You learn to share the room, you learn to (laughs) share your things, you know? And so that's why life in all its forms, um, even when there's challenges is so beautiful. And so um, I admire both of you guys for how outspoken you are for life on social media, you know, obviously on a huge platform, Liz, um, but, but then all of us really just championing life on whatever platform we can. Um, I mean, I recently had someone um, very close to me actually say, you know, you just are too pro-life. Like that's, that's what's turning people <gasps> off is you're too pro-life, Bridget. And I was like, I didn't, I couldn't even oh, respond because yeah. I was like, how can you be too pro-life? But I'm not even going to go there. It's so. like, right yeah no Bridget I goodness that like my blood is boiling with a smile (laughs) on my face because I feel like that's just political training I'm like (laughs) yeah no no sense to me but I'm smiling because I gotta love that right yeah no I mean that I you know I I say all the time now to family and friends that in our current climate I am a one issue voter until that issue exactly. is gone exactly I, that period yeah. like I I mean as a Catholic like and in, in my conscience there is no other way to view that and no. um you know I, I it's like going back to I think any atrocity of of you know the world's history and there's obviously mm-hmm. been so many um and in saying that in a time where there was you know, I mean, something horrible, horrible going on in culture and saying that that's just one yeah. issue, right? I, I can't fathom that people would agree to that now. Um, yeah. But I, I don't understand the logic of saying that with abortion, because I really believe that, I mean, God willing, within our lifetime, you know, if not beyond that, um, that history will look back on this and say, how could they have done yeah. nothing? And, right. you know, I, I want to rest my head at night and, you know, ultimately meet my maker and know that I've, I've done everything I can to fight that mm-hmm. war. Ugh. When I hear you say that, Liz, I'm like, let's go. Because when I think of going into that battle, I think of Bella on Aww. my shield and, and I think of Patrick and I think of those people that, um, that, that, you know, the pro-life, you know, being too pro-life, right? You know, those words, right? I think of Bella, mm-hmm. right? I think of that doctor in the hospital. I think of the doctor that prescribed her too much morphine mm-hmm. that would have killed her, you know, as palliative care. Like I, I think of 
all the kind of instances of bedside manner and and children that are not given a chance and adults, right? You know, Mm -hmm. at the end of life, um, Mm -hmm. that we can never be be too pro-life, right? I mean, if the greatest gift of man is co-creation with God, right? In pregnancy, right? In that moment, that is the only time on earth when man has the grace and gift Mm -hmm. of co-creation. How amazing is that? So I, right. I, I just think as believers, we can never be too pro-life in defending the gift that God gives mm-hmm. us in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, you guys can get, you can get me all riled <laughs> yeah, up for this days people, on this. Oh, yeah, we're in the same group, been, sister. <laughs> and probably I the too. most DM'd thing to me is, so you're a single issue voter. I'm like, same. well, yes, when we're talking about like something as, as scary right what we're actually talking about then yes i am a single issue voter so So just to wrap it up liz like what would you what advice what quick advice would you give to somebody who wants to um to share their voice on social media but how would you advise them to like do so in like a graceful way yeah i think first of all is just being courageous um is like Bridget had said before that posting things that can feel scary is is often the beginning of conversation, which would probably lead to the second point, which is um, openness, right, to to these conversations and doing so in a civil way that's respectful. Um, the friend that I think Mackenzie you mentioned at the beginning, she ended up saying, you know, you have restored my faith that these conversations wow. can be civil. And that was such a victory. I don't know that either of us went away with a lot of our opinions changed, but um, at the end of the day, I I don't really think that that's my responsibility. I can only you know stand and express what you know I've I've researched and done my homework and believe to be the truth, and you know plant the seeds for for them and their life. Um, wow. So I just say stand in the gap and and stand strong because the world needs your voice mm-hmm. and your contribution. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Liz. Liz, this was such a gift. You are a gift. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. This was so fun. If you like today's episode, please hit five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend. We're so happy you're here.